The Lord be with you. And welcome to the worship service of Holy Trinity Anglican in Madison, Mississippi. It is a joy to be called into the life of God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Our prayer is that our hearts and minds are open to receive the Lord. By His Spirit, through His sacraments, and in the hearing of His Word, we are confident the Lord will meet us. So won't you join us? We're praying that you will. Father, we ask that you would make your word live to our hearts, that you would give us ears to hear what you would speak to the church, faith to believe, and courage to live, lives transformed by you. Meet us now in these moments. We ask in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. You have your copy of God's Word, which I trust that you do. Open with me to Acts chapter 2. This being Pentecost Sunday, um, this is one of the high and holy days on the church calendar. As we have gone from the Easter celebration, uh, all throughout the Eastertide season, we've been talking together as a church family about what does it look like to live the resurrection life? The resurrection wasn't merely a, a singular historic event, though it was that. There was much more to it than that, that the result of the resurrection was a new beginning for all of us, a new call to a, a new way of living. We were to live as witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, wait upon the promise because you will be my witnesses, and that word for witnesses, we've talked about this before, is the Greek word that actually is the word from which we get our word what? Martyr. You will be those who will live and die for me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit because what I'm calling you to do, what I'm asking you to do, is to live like I lived, as one poured out for the Father, and be willing to die as I died for the sake of the gospel. And this is the call to the church. And brothers and sisters, I believe that in the West, we have so dumbed down the gospel as it to be meaningless for most people. I want to call us back to what Christ said. He wants all of you. He wants all of your life. He wants all of you every day, every moment. And your vocation is to be one who lives and dies for Jesus, who lived and died for you. Now, we find ourselves at the end of this Eastertide, much like those um, apostles who found themselves waiting. They were waiting in Jerusalem. Many of them afraid. Afraid because of what they had seen happen to their Savior. Afraid, what will happen to us next? Afraid, what will the world think of us now that he's gone? And they gathered for a celebration, what we call Pentecost. It was also called in Deuteronomy chapter 16, the Feast of Weeks, or the celebration of the harvest. It began immediately following the Passover. You can find details of this, not only in Deuteronomy 16, but in Exodus chapter 34. 
But during the intertestamental period, between the close of Malachi and the beginning of the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, during the Maccabean period, the church began to not only think of this in terms of a harvest festival, but also as a celebration for the giving of the law, which was believed to have been given 50 days following the exodus on Mount Sinai. Now I want you to think about this as as we wait today. We are waiting as God has promised to, to bring in a harvest of souls, aren't we? We're the very instruments of that in, in bringing of the harvest of souls. And the law that was given shows us our desperate need for a savior and is the context in which we enjoy the blessing of salvation. You see, the law was given that we might know we were sinners and Christ fulfilled the law that we might be sons and daughters of God. And so today, if we want to live in light of these realities of the harvest and of the law, of the coming of the Spirit, that we might live the resurrection life, then we need to really know what this text says that we're about to look at. And I just want to say this to you. Brothers and sisters, the Lord God wants to fill your heart with the Spirit. He wants your life to be so empowered by him that people will ask what they ask in the verse that we didn't read in Acts chapter two, verse 12. What is this? That's my prayer, that the Lord would so fill us with the spirit that when we leave here today, people would say, hey, what happened to you? What happened to you on Pentecost Sunday? I had a fresh touch from the Lord. Let's look at what he says, chapter two, beginning in the first verse. I want you to see three things this this morning. If you're listening, if you find yourself waiting, you're listening, aren't you? When I wait for somebody to come, I'm always listening. Are they driving in the driveway? Is the the doorbell about to ring? Are they coming? What's the sound? Are the dogs barking? (laughs) Well, we're waiting this morning. There are three distinct sounds in this passage I want you to hear. First, I want you to hear the sound of the coming of the Spirit. We cannot live the resurrection life without the coming of the Spirit. So I want you to hear, listen for the sound of the coming of the Spirit. Second, I want you to hear the sound of good news for all people. The sound of good news for all people. Because you see, the Spirit didn't just come that we might get a warm fuzzy. The Spirit came that the world might be transformed. And then the third thing I want you to see is the sound of the kingdom coming today. Are you ready? First sound, the sound of the coming of the Spirit. Verses one through four, you begin by, they were all together in one place for this feast. And all of a sudden there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It doesn't really do it justice. The Greek is much more dramatic than that. It was, it's the sound, how many of you have ever been around during a tornado, right? It's a distinct sound, isn't it? People often liken it to the coming of a train. It's, it's a distinct sound. How many of you have ever lived through a hurricane? Yeah, me too, thank you very much. I don't wanna do that again. But yeah, it's like those feeder bands as they come, you just hear the winds as they come roaring. This was a sound like this. It wasn't, it wasn't something to be ignored. It was a startling, arresting sound. And, and the sound of the wind, a mighty rushing wind and it had filled the entire house. Now, I want you to know that this Greek word that we use right here, pneuma, is also the translation of the Hebrew word, roach. 
In Genesis chapter 1, at the beginning of everything, when there was chaos, the Spirit hovered over the chaos. The wind hovered over the chaos. You see, it was by the power of the Spirit, at the will of the Father, and through the work of the Son that all creation came to exist. John tells us in John chapter 1 that it was all things were created by the Son of God, by the Father, and the power of the Spirit. You see, the wind created everything. The Spirit was the source of all life. Not only the source of all life, but in chapter 2 of Genesis, when Adam was but mud, God knelt over him and breathed into him the rohak, the wind, the breath of life. And that lump of clay became a man. It's a miracle. Well, John chapter 3 tells us also, look, hold your finger here, just flip a few pages over, John chapter 3, in verses 3 through 5, It is the spirit that gives us all new life. Jesus answered and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. The reason that we must wait for the coming of the Spirit, the reason we must pray and ask for the infilling of the Holy Spirit is that it is in the power of the Holy Spirit that we live the resurrection life. Just as all things came into existence through the power of the Spirit, as man received his breath through the Holy Spirit, as each of us has come to know God by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we can only live the resurrection life in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, dear ones, if you are not today waiting on the Spirit, if you are not listening for the Spirit, if you are not longing for the infilling of the Spirit, then you're missing the boat because we have been promised the gift of the Spirit. James Boyce says this, obviously the coming of the Spirit as a violent wind was meant to symbolize the coming of the creative power of God to inaugurate a new era in which men and women should be brought to spiritual life. Do you need new life today? Come, Holy Spirit, come. Blow like a mighty wind. The second thing you see is fire. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and it rested on each one of them. Fire plays an interesting role. Now you know we Anglicans, we like candles. Have you ever wondered why? Fire represents the presence of God. When Israel was wandering through the darkness of the wilderness, they had a pillar of cloud by day and what did they have by night? And what did the fire represent? God was present. When Moses met with God, there was a what kind of bush? Yes. And today, when God wants to remind us that he is present, there's fire. And every time that we have the elements of the Holy Eucharist present 
in the tabernacle or on the altar, that lamp is lit because we, we believe that Christ is present. There's a real presence in the Eucharist. And because Christ is really present with us in the sacrament, we light the fire to remind us that he is with us. And the fire of Pentecost is that God wants to light a new fire in your heart. He wants to rest upon you a new blaze to remind you that not only has he poured out his spirit upon you to give you new life, but he is present with you throughout life. The fire represents the presence of God. It is also a spiritual illumination. We need to know God is with us and God is guiding us. And therefore, the fire fell from heaven on that first Pentecost. And may we pray that it fall again today upon you and me, that we might be guided by God and assured that he is with us. The third thing we see is a sound of tongues. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, our brother Bill, he read eloquently from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are many, many, many gifts. Not everybody has every gift. Nobody has all the gifts. Everybody has one gift. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that all were given a manifestation of, manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. On this day, those followers of Christ were filled with the Holy Spirit, that the, those that were gathered, devout Jews from every nation, all those that sweet Avery read so eloquently, and they're not all easy to pronounce, folks. They, I mean, it was... They, they were from everywhere. And they all had a miracle. These uneducated, untrained men spoke and they all heard in their own language. Why? Because God's good news is for all people. Devout Jews, it began with the Jews. Devout Jews from everywhere. The Lord God calling them back to their covenant calling them back to holiness, calling them back to relationship. But then people from every tribe and nation around, all peoples, were welcomed. It wasn't a new promise. In Genesis, when God called Abraham out and told him he was going to be the father of a nation called Israel, he promised that through that nation, all the nations would be blessed. With the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and these tongues, it was not only a supernatural event for that day, but there is a spiritual language that continues to this day that the word of God would not be hindered by anything. I've told this story before, but when I was in Indonesia one time, I walked into a, the village that I, we were visiting in I was one of the first, if not the first, white person to ever go into this village in the rainforest in, in the island of Sumatra. And this gentleman comes up to me and my translator says to me, he's saying that he knew you were coming. I was like, how did he know I was coming? I didn't know I was coming. He's like, he said he saw you in his dream last night and that you've come to tell him about Isa, which is the Indonesian word for Jesus. And I sat down on a log with him, and I began to share with him, and we no longer needed a translator. Now, I was speaking in English, but he heard me. You call it what you want. I say God wanted him to hear the good news. 
and that God can do anything, if he can speak and create everything, if he can breathe and make clay a man, I think language is no big deal. And I think God's not going to let his gospel be hindered by anything. You know that man never left my side? We trekked through the rainforest for two weeks, and he hugged me with tears in his eyes as I got on the plane. I don't know whatever happened to Papa Nunket. I don't know. But I know this, he heard the gospel. And God gave me the privilege of being his messenger halfway around the world in the dark jungles of Indonesia, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But the spirit of the gift of tongues is that you and I are empowered by the spirit to speak the gospel today. Whether you do it in English, or a prayer language, or a foreign tongue, it doesn't matter. The power of the Spirit is given that you might be bold in the proclamation that God loves the world. So, do you have new life in the Spirit? Is God present and guiding you, and are you filled with His Spirit to the point that you can't help but overflow with good news? That's the sound of the coming of the Spirit. Second thing I want you to see is the sound of good news for all people. Verses five through 11 is they're, they're startling verses, really, if you're a Jew, because for the Jew, they thought the gospel was for them. But here, the gospel is for everybody. They thought it was for them. They thought it should look like they wanted it to look. Now, I'm glad that we're not like them, I mean, we don't fuss about things like how the church looks or what color the carpet is or how, whether we have this music or that music or blended or blah, blah, blah. We don't fight about any of that. I mean, <laughs> that was just the Jews, but I mean, they did. And they were really intent that it was only supposed to be their way. And all of a sudden, when the Holy Spirit comes, guess what? It's not their way. God has a different plan. God likes to use the unlikely. Can you imagine this ragtag bunch of disciples that have been following Jesus? They're standing up in front of all these devout Jews, including the, the leadership of the church, and they're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ as the very God come in the flesh, and, and, and they're undone. Everyone's undone. Who are these people? How do they know these things? Where did they get their degrees? They're just ordinary people who are willing to give their life for God, to sacrifice everything and to serve and to seek out those who are hurting. And God chose to use them. Do you know what it takes to be filled with the Spirit and poured out for the kingdom? A heart that says, here am I. Send me, fill me, use me. And that's the cry for Pentecost Sunday. God, fill me so that I might make you known. Not to just people like me, not just to people who have what I have or look like I look, not just to people that are right here right now, but I want you to use me, God, to make you known to everyone everywhere, especially people who don't look like me, which is why we have to love the homeless and the hungry, the hurting and the lost, the refugee and the immigrant, the people who don't look like us or talk like us. 
We have to love people who are made in the image of God from everywhere because this good news that we have been given as a treasure is for all people. And the Holy Spirit has come upon us so that we might make it known to everyone. We don't want to keep it secret. We don't want it to stay in these four walls. We don't want to just gather people here on Sunday. We want to scatter people everywhere around the world that the world might sing to the praise and to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit has come to make manifest the glory of the Son. And this is what we're to do. God wants us filled with his Spirit using all that he has given to us to reach everybody everywhere. And now I have to hurry to the third thing. I want you to hear the sound of the coming of the kingdom. I want us to hear this sound at this place. Those who were filled with the power of the Spirit began to live into their calling. Are you filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? It's not a once and done deal. We receive the Holy Spirit, but we leak. We're cracked pots, broken vessels. We leak. So we need to be regularly filled with the Spirit. We need to ask fresh filling. We ask, Lord God, fill me up anew. Today, Pentecost Sunday, fill me up. And when we get a filling for the Holy Spirit, we'll act like the apostles, no longer cowering in an upper room, worried about what might happen to them, but boldly going and standing before all the power in the world and saying, you need Jesus. Can you imagine these cowering disciples go and declare before all people, Jesus Christ is Messiah. Believe in him. Come to him. Where is our passion? If we've experienced the saving work of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, if we've been given gifts of God, why are we so lethargic when it comes to making his glory known in the world? Our praise should resound beyond these walls. Our proclamation should begin at that door. Are you passionate about what God has done for you? If so, praise him. Praise him like Psalm 150 says, let all the earth praise him. Praise him with the cymbal. Praise him with the gong. Praise him with the drum. Praise him with your voice. Praise him with your hands. Praise him with your feet. Praise him everywhere. But the context in which we will praise him, I go back to Acts 1.8. If we really want to see the kingdom come, the context in which we will praise him is that it will cost us everything. Praise in the midst of persecution. Praise in the midst of misunderstanding. Praise in the midst of hatred. Praise in the midst of struggle. Praise in the midst of suffering. Praise in the midst of hardship. Praise in the midst of whatever life brings, but we praise him because all that this life has to offer, good and bad, pales in comparison to the wonder of the Lord Jesus. This is our prayer for Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. Oh, pour out fresh fire. Let the Spirit come. Let the Spirit send us out to the nations. Let the Spirit give us new passion and power that we might praise him to the ends of the earth and praise him in the midst of every circumstance. Is this your prayer on Pentecost Sunday?
If so, I pray the Lord would pour out on us his spirit and light a fresh fire among us that we might see him move. For the glory of his name. Holy Trinity Anglican is a faith family that seeks to encounter and share the Holy Trinity through worship, community, and mission. We're located at 432 Bozeman Road in Madison, Mississippi, and we invite you to join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.